0: Hello, and welcome back to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. Um, In each episode of this podcast, I look at uh, one of the works of Robert A. Heinlein, or a part of one. Um, and work try to work my way through his entire catalog. Uh, so in this episode, I will be uh, talking about our fair city uh, This was uh published in January 1949 now. I, I know not you know, we're supposed to be in 1948 and I think the problem here was—it happened to a different story too. Um, The issue is—is I've been working off of the Robert A. Heinlein bibliography on Wikipedia, and I think it goes by maybe when it was written, um, because it put "Our Fair City" as a 1948 story, which is why I put it on the list for uh, the stories I looked at after "Space Cadet," which was 1948. But um, it definitely was published in January 1949 in Weird Tales. So I'll, I'll keep going through going this way because at most will be like a year off or it's usually pretty close. So uh, it's still close enough. Um, but this is the last story we're going to be looking at before we, we jump uh, officially into 1949 with Red Planet. Uh, another of Heinlein's Juveniles. Uh, there'll be a few stories after that, and then, then we're going to quickly, very quickly run out of stories. There'll be assorted stories here and there, but we'll pretty much be looking at novels, mostly from here on out. I think there's 15 more stories over the rest of his career. Um, so um, they'll just spot, they'll just jump up from time to time. I think we might have a handful for 1939. I want to say three maybe um but uh, i'm looking forward to it um it'll be be fun to read those novels alongside the novels i'm looking at um in my main uh podcast series i'm gonna try to stick to novels in that series for a while as well so anyways our fair city um this is a fantasy story it reminds me a lot of uh like was it a bathroom of her own or whatever the the one dealing with local city politics um this is um, when I search for reviews and stuff. There's not much written about Our Fair City. It doesn't seem to be a very well-known Heinlein story. It was published in a couple of anthologies, like I think all of all our all, all your zombies and five other stories. Maybe it was pub um, published in a book called like Heinlein's Fantasies. Um, and of course, Heinlein has written a handful of fantasies, like the the cube one, the unfolded cube. Uh, or the four-dimensional cube thing story, uh magic ink, um, and you know and this kind of fits in that genre, but I think it also fits in Heinlein's interest in like city post-war city politics, which he did not do much. Like I think that Bathroom of Our Own is is maybe the best example of that investigation and in my sen- in my view kind of a better one. Here um, I have to say, though, is that when Heinlein does fantasy, he says he it's like you're in a Philip Dick story often. So I think Philip Dick must must be the one kind of pulling from this aspect of Heinlein because Philip Dick's science fiction and Heinlein science fiction are worlds apart. They're, they're vastly different. They don't seem to overlap at all with a few exceptions. Maybe like um, the. Uh, what am I thinking of? Maybe like Waldo might be something you might have seen in a, in a Philip Dick story with the post-human kind of stuff. But when Heinlein's writing fantasy, it often does feel you're, you're, you know, closer to what Philip Dick was doing, which is making me wonder if, like, should we stop calling Philip Dick science fiction? Um, You know, I didn't think much of that when I did this series. I just always talked about him as a science fiction writer, being aware that he wrote a lot of fantasy. But most of his stories are pretty far from anything like what we see in Heinlein or Asimov um, in terms of science fiction. He just was too, too wild, I think, to be confined by any genres. Um, and this is an example of Heinlein just kind of ripping off the bodice of science fiction and saying, like, let's do something fun. And so that, that said, though, I don't think there's too much to say about the story, although there are, it's more worthy of commentary than what I've seen online about it. Um, Or in anything published, I think it's usually just scanned over as, oh, that's another one of Heinlein's weird fantasies. And even when you have people analyzing those books of Heinlein's fantasy writings, they just tend to skip over this, too. There's more given to those other stories. So anyways, we have a a parking lot attendant with a pet whirlwind. That's the main point of the story. And the whirlwind um, is, you know, just like a you know, those temporary little spinning debris uh, winds that you sometimes see in, in cityscapes. It's a, it's a sentient, communicative, uh, conscious, and, and kind of eternal whirlwind. And it's called kitten. It's apparently a woman, a girl. And our parking lot attendant is basically maintaining it and taking care of it. And the other character here is a journalist for our fair city. Um, And there's a kind of a a bit of a, not really a MacGuffin, what's the word I'm thinking for, but basically an item that comes up throughout the story, which is a a little bit of newspaper clipping that the whirlwind has and protects and can somehow protect from bad weather and things. It's from 50 years old. And that kind of dates the whirlwind being 50 years old, which is, of course, if you look at 1950s, it's about as old as the modern American city is. So it's a um, the whirlwind's kind of with the city eternally. That's What I want to say, um, and then the other thing it's kind of suggesting is with the city eternally is debris and garbage, and that's the main plot of the story is is the city's getting gross, both in the terms of it has corrupt officials, uh, corrupt government, and just dirt and and trash all over the garbage, and that's what uh, our Peter Perkins our columnist for our fair city this kind of magazine that this that the newspaper runs um right walking our streets always is a piquant, even adventurous experience. We pick our way through the assorted trash, bits of little garbage, cigarette butts, and other less appetizing items that stutter sidewalks while our faces are assaulted by more buoyant souvenirs. The confetti of last Halloween shred the dead leaves and other items too weatherbeaten beaten to be identified. However, I've always assumed that the constant turnover in the riches in our streets caught, caused them to renew themselves at least every seven years. The column then told of the whirlwind that contained the 50-year-old newspaper. Um, so, end quote. So he's connecting the whirlwind, the the rule run souvenir to like just the accumulated garbage. It's Kipple, right? And the point here is it kind of accumulates. Now Dick's idea was that Kipple multiplies and expands. Um, the idea here is that it, it sort of recycles like the skin cells on your body you recycle every seven years or whatever. Or We're a new person every seven years. It's kind of like that. There's new garbage. Yeah, maybe some of the stuff is all cleaned up, but the perpetuation of garbage is the point. Um, and then you have basically the plot of the story is eventually Peter and the, the guy who has this whirlwind as a pet eventually decide to run. Like, there's first of the stories about the whirlwind and it, the phenomenon of it and people doubt it and he has to defend that. So there's some interesting journalist stuff where we have a journalist trying to tell a true story and people doubting it and, and casting dispersions on the, on the journalistic profession. So I think Heinlein has a little bit of a defense of, of – freedom of speech, freedom of press here. Um, Again, this is not a story to take too seriously, um, but I'm going to try as much as possible. Um, But in any ways, they eventually decide to run the whirlwind as a candidate for mayor, uh, first calling for the mayor to resign and then eventually running uh, the whirlwind kitten as a mayoral candidate. And then you have like the repression of this campaign by the state. So that's essentially the story we have um and yeah so i I think there's not too much to say about it i'm just going to kind of leave it at that um and not give you too much more uh so this is going to be a short um podcast that's the case with a lot of these short stories there's just not an infinite number of things we can say about it i'm sure if i had a group maybe we could like kind of dissect this a little bit more but um yeah we got a bunch of overlapping themes though we got this in fact, this could be an interesting story just without the whirlwind. Um, if without the whirlwind, we'd have essentially like the uh, a bathroom of our own story. That was about housing, post-war housing crisis. But it's about a woman running for office um, and then a, a campaign. And then she ends up winning. And, you know, and then and she can set into motion things that's going to fix it. A very secular, normal, sh- political short story. Um here. You could have had that, too. It could have just been targeting the corrupt officials that are sort of symbolized by the garbage on the streets that's never being picked up. Um, you don't even you don't need the whirlwind really to make the story work. And and I think it's actually a little bit of a distraction from from the heart of the story, which is city government. Uh, it's one thing I appreciate about Heinlein is he is even though he's in a science fiction, he sometimes is looking at global or solar system wide issues and questions. Uh, his stories—he is interested politically in the local, right? And, and I think sometimes that's where we really need to focus our politics, because there's less we can do at the national level. But the city is a place where we really can f- talk about and try to force democracy to be put in place. And and sometimes it gets forgotten. People don't read the local newspaper. Local newspapers are dying. The kind of muck raking we see in this story doesn't happen like it used to. There just isn't the journalists. Who are capable and willing to do that anymore um, it's 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 a sad state of affairs but it's um it's really important it's it's like the heart of our democracy it must be our local participation in in, in government running for local office and and challenging the power structure from the bottom up that way and, and I think that you know there's a lot that mayors and local city governments can do to actually improve people's lives substantially and make them, them happier and, and more content and, and feel they have a bigger say in the world, and, and they can help eliminate poverty. There's so much that can be done, but people just kind of look to Washington a bit too often, I think. Um, and I think then it's advantage of like the federal system we have in the United States too is that there is that those local governments. So I don't want to sound like a small government conservative, which I'm, um, which I don't know. My politics are, are what they are. But, you know, it's like, I, I don't think we can like jump tomorrow to anarchism uh, or to any kind of grassroots direct democracy. I think we just, you know, right now the state exists for better or for worse, and we have to manage it in the most democratic way to have good outcomes. But, um, but long term, yeah, I think, yeah, small government, local. Control its probably better. But um, but at the very least, we can start to look to this place to be the center of our politics more than we do now, like community spaces, local union politics, local city politics. That is where we can really make progress, I think. It's like the revolutionary sections of Paris, right? direct local democracy, the town hall meetings, the Murray Bookchin stuff, if you ever read Murray Bookchin's thoughts about city governments. City of politics. That's what he um, talked a lot about. So anyways, um, a fun little story. Uh, a few action set pieces. Uh, a, gov- a big government corruption. All that kind of stuff is, is at work in the story. So um, that's it uh, for now. Next we'll be looking at Red Planet or these first half of Red Planet which is the next of of his novels that we're going to explore. So anyways, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.